All right, we're live, folks. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Legends Podcast, episode 28, where we review Marvel Star Wars issue 108 and talk about other things. I'm your host, Jeremy, and with me today is my other host, Dylan. How you doing, Dylan? Pretty good. All right, so what do we want to talk about first? Well, uh... I guess we can. Should we just start with 108, or should we do other stuff and like tease let's, them? Let's tease them. All right. Um, let's let's do a celebration recap. Almost two mo- two months late. Two months late. Oh, geez, it is two months, man. Well, okay. Let me. Well, let I me... should ap- I should apologize. The reason this the last episode only came out yesterday, as of the day we're recording, or two days ago, as of the day we're recording, is I lost the audio it's hmm. just it w- it didn't go on my external hard drive and i thought i deleted it for the longest time and was super embarrassed and just wouldn't tell dylan hmm. uh but no it was actually on the main hard it was on my ssd i have on this desktop so, okay yeah that's why it took so long and then i edited it friday yeah, because I put it on Instagram. It, it's all right. It has Matt in it, so no one will care. And Matt has the best audio out of the three of us. Except for when he couldn't mute his mic. Yeah. Which was a whole thing that I ended up keeping some of it in there because he was so ridiculous and acting elderly. So, yeah. Also, can we get, like, uh, can we get, like, a moment of silence for, like, you know, the Skype calls with Matt that are, like, officially dead now that he has kids. Yeah. I mean, I called him on the cell phone. Yeah, oh, that's good. Talked to him for 15 minutes. It's like with Matt Wilson, the geek's addict. Mm-hmm. You just... You still get that when you have more than one child. Yeah. I mean, he's really catching up to Bruce now, because, you know, if he just... He can literally, if he keeps up at this pace, he can literally do it in half the time. Yeah, or Bruce can just give him some of his kids. Mm. I've, I've just always thought that, that was what was going to happen. <laughs> They're just going <laughs> to. There's the uh, there's the there's the Monroe daycare, which is just like him, Bruce, and like all all like twelve of his siblings and their kids. <laughs> yeah, if you if you guys don't know, Matt literally. There are there are approximately seventy three people who live who are like uh, who are within like one degree on like the family tree of Matt Wilkins. There is a big family. Mm-hmm. They're really, they're really they had like <laughs> they had like four people like they had like uh, four of the kids all slept in one room in the attic for like six years or something crazy like that. We've we've seen the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot that. That we did that when we flew and visited Matt. God, that was a good... He's like, yeah, this was the bunk bed, so this is where me and my brother, and then my other brother was here, and then my sister was here. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> It's like, oh my god. <laughs> but no, that's a, it's a cool house they lived in, they grew up in. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. That was a great trip. Um, but anyway, so celebration, right? <laughs> Yeah, celebration. Because quite frankly, I never even got a recap from Dylan after this happened. Yeah, but, yeah. 
<clears throat> guess I was going to do it then. Uh, so for those of you who are uh, just listening to this podcast now, I work for the uh, Twinson Foundation, and uh, we, for the second time in a row, um, we didn't technically get invited because we applied to get a fan, fan table, and Lucasfilm said okay for the second time in a row. Um, so we were there for a fan table, uh, as a fan table, and uh, while we were there, we were uh, collecting Star Wars books as donations, and um, uh, for what would end up being four separate donation events, three of which has happened. We are still waiting for the fourth one as now, but I'll get to that later. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think this was our most uh, – of the two celebrations that Twinsons have been to and the three celebrations I've been to because I've been to Anna – I was at Anaheim in 2015 representing the movement and then in Orlando and now Chicago. This was probably the most successful one we had. Uh, first off, with the uh, donation, we collected. Uh, hold on, how many exactly was it? I have a. We've uh, we've literally donated so many books that I have to have a word file, uh, to keep track of all the books we've donated and when. Um, quick maths here. <laughs> Jesus. This is some good. This is good podcast material right here. It is. We're a, we're a prof, we're a professional podcast. We always uh, we have everything ready. That's why I literally I literally didn't uh, I didn't do any research for the for the topic that we have in coming up until like an hour before this podcast. Yeah, anyway, I told him like, hey, can we review this? Have you? And he's like, I haven't even read it yet. Like, oh anyway, I'm glad we collect one issue. We collected uh, 114 books while we were at Celebration. Uh, literally just people were, were stopping by the booth and giving us their uh, their books. It was kind of a mix. We had some of the locals who uh, who were in the area, and like, uh, and they had brought their books from home. We had people who knew us who came and like brought their books with them, and people who didn't have books and like went around the convention center to the um, – uh, the Anderson Bookstore was selling books, and there were many other like small-time vendors who were selling books. They would buy them from the vendors and bring them to us because we had like raffle prizes. We gave away several Revan figures, several Jaina figures, um, and all that, as well as we have a print, autographed prints from Shan McRandall that we were giving out. If you, I was got... wondering if you still had those. Yeah, we had. Uh, I think we had about twelve left, and after celebration, we have like four. Uh, after... We had 12 left going in. Now we only have four left. So uh, we'll probably be doing them again because we're planning on going again in Anaheim. So if you want one of the Shan McRandall prints, there's four left, and make sure you bring some books to Anaheim. But it was uh, really great. So um, at the table, we had a live stream going. You can go to the Twin Sons, uh, the Twin Sons YouTube uh, account and see our live stream going. But we had, uh, we had a lot of people who stopped by the booth. Um, uh, Jason Fry stopped by at one point. He was just kind of walking the halls, and I, and I flagged him down like, "Hey, Jason Fry over here!" And we got a we had a nice talk to him. Jason Fry, uh, if you don't know, he's a writer for Star Wars. He wrote, uh, if you're the new fan, you probably know him best. He wrote the Essential Guide to Warfare, but in canon, he writes a lot of like the art books and like uh, other kind of source books for DK and some of the children's books as well. I believe and you'd be more. In the new canon, he wrote the last Jedi movie novelization. Yeah, 
Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that. You did. I thought. I thought he was just. I, I thought he was just like the art book guy. In, no, in... he wrote. He got tasked the last Jedi novelization. I think because there was a major contradiction between a young adult book and a comic, a comic one shot that was terrible, and he fixed it. I think it's hmm. the only reason they hired him. Interesting. It's also the best part of that book was just he fixed that, and I'm like, oh, oh, there you go, Jason Fry fixing things because he has just this incredible knowledge of the EU. Oh, or definitely. Star Wars in general, both canons. Like, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he he's basically the reason that the Marvel comics are like S canon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He he single handedly made those S cannon. But yeah, he was great to talk to. And then we had uh, John Jackson Miller. He stopped by three different times. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of conversations with him. And um, he wrote, of course, uh, he he wrote the uh, in in Legends. He wrote uh, he wrote the Kenobi novel. He wrote the Knights of the Old Republic comic series and the Knight Errant comic and uh, and Knight novel yeah. in, in canon. I think is the only thing he wrote in canon. A new dawn. Or he has wrote he wrote a new dawn? He wrote from uh, a story in from a certain point of view because everyone did. I think Jason Fry has one in there too, and he also wrote a good story in the Canto Bite uh, short stories. He has the last one in there. Okay. Um, yeah, he's a. I like him as an author. Yeah, he was a really fun. It was fun to talk to. We asked him the question. We asked Fry this, and he uh, he kind of gave like a similar answer. He kind of gave like, a, oh yeah, I'll write for any anything. But when we asked uh, we asked uh, Miller if he would be interested in writing for Legends, he was like, man, I wish I had a time machine so I could go back and pitch them all the ideas I've had in like the last five years. <laughs> Great. Who else? Uh, what all authors were at? I know Zahn was there, and so was Claudia Gray. Zahn was there, uh, but. So if you ever go to Zon, if you ever uh, go to Star Wars Celebration and you want to get your books autographed by Timothy Zahn, make sure you are in his autograph book uh, booth no, no sooner than 30 minutes before it starts and sometimes even an hour because uh, he's popular. Well, yeah, I mean he's, he's considered by many to be the greatest Star Wars author of all time. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. We didn't get a chance. Well, um, one of uh, Amelia, she's been on here before. She was with us. She got uh, she got him to sign all of her books, and like uh, uh, there was a great time talking with him, um, with him for like a little bit. But like you know, they kind of had to because like again, his line is like completely around the thing like twice. You know, you don't really get much time with him, but he was okay. I didn't hear much about what Claudia Gray was doing. Um, who else? I think those were that was it for like the main um, for like the big time authors. Um, I don't know of anyone else um, who was there uh, or well, who is showed writing. up, but they uh, they arrested him immediately <laughs> and they called them a bunch of bigots. So but, one guy know, I thought that was a Matt joke. <laughs> Matt joke right there. Matt Wilkins on on the podcast. So one guy who I didn't know was going to be there until I was there, which I wish I I would because I would have. Brought my copy of um, I would have brought my hardcover of uh, Dark Empire, but Dave Dorman was there. What? I know, right? 
Dave Thorne. There, I thought you were going to say Tom Veach, and I'm like, you're lying. That no. dude never set foot in celebration. Yeah. But Dave Dorman, if you don't know, he was a guy behind like he was a guy who did like a ton of covers in like the in like the early Dark Horse and Bantam era. I he's got he I, I would say like at least half of were were his covers. He also did the interior art in Dark Forces Jedi Knight. Because he was I know he was Crimson Empire. He was Tales of the Jedi. He was Dark Empire, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, he did, like, uh, he did a few Bantam books as well. I can't remember which ones. But, yeah, he was um, he, he was surprised. He was uh, really great to talk to. He was kind of mad uh, because they had put it, they had put him in, like, uh, they would put him, like, right next to, like, the main uh, stage. So, like, anytime they would show some, um, some, like, promotional stuff, uh, for like the new movies or like uh, or like a sneak peek or something, there were just people who would stand like out outside of this booth and like just like just to watch it. And he was getting pissed off because it was like you know it was like people like couldn't get to him like who actually wanted to buy stuff and stuff. Like I, when I went there, when I went there, I, he was literally like yelling at people like, "Hey, I got customers over here." <laughs> but yeah, I bought a uh, I bought a cop a hardcover of. Um, the first Crimson Empire book because uh, Crimson Empire issue one is I think my favorite piece of uh, my favorite cover in all of Star Wars. Not to not to Dave Filoni, but that is legitimately my favorite cover of all time. It's his um, profile pic on Google Google Plus. Yeah, it's it's so good. It is a good one. My favorite. I like his Dark Forces covers. I the cover for Jedi Knight. Um, I, that's my favorite of his art is in Dark Forces Jedi Knight. Um, I'm also a fan of issue one of, I think it was, uh, it was, it was Tales of the Jedi, not the Sith War, this miniseries before that, Dark Lords of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, Ulick, and he looks kind of evil. Yeah, who else? We had, uh. We had Evan from Holocron Keeper. Evan, he's a YouTuber, does some legend stuff. Uh, not that big, uh, but he was fun to talk. He hang out at Booked a lot. We had um, – I'm blanking on his name, but he is a contractor for uh, Fantasy Flight Games. Does a lot of their X-Wing stuff. He was around the booth a lot, and he was actually a big fan of ours. which surprised us that we had someone that was technically inside Fantasy Flight. Um, there, We also found that there was another Twin Sons. That have been technically around longer than we had, but we were first a celebration called Twin Sons Charities. They do uh, X-wing and Armada tournaments, where like and and send proceeds to hospitals. So we had a bit of a collaboration with them. Uh, then we had to uh, we had a lot of both of us had people who were coming to us and looking for the other Twin Sons, and we had to point them in the right direction. So that was a that was a big hoot. Um, we had uh, we had Steve Sansweet drop by. He was um, Steve Sansweet was the director of content management and fan relations for Lucasfilm from the '90s to about 2011 when he left to uh, start Rancho Obi Wan. Uh, we didn't really get to talk to him much, but he kind of like just stopped by. Uh, he kind of stopped by, and um, we were more talking to the guy who who like who he was with because he was asking us questions, and Steve was just kind of like, you know, 
just kind of there. And I was trying not, I was trying hard not to fanboy this time and scare him off like I did last year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just to remind you folks, at the top of the hour, our in-depth review of Star Wars issue 108. All right, go on, Dylan. We also had uh, one of the guys from Rebel Force Radio show up, and uh, so we had a bit of an interesting conversation with him, though um, can't really say a lot of what we talked about, unfortunately, <laughs> but it was interesting. Um, yeah, I believe that's... I'm trying to think. It for people you met? Yeah. Um, any weird interactions with people? I always like to hear it's strange. Um, I'm trying to think. No, we didn't have any. It, it was mainly all positive this time. Oh, that's um, great. Chris was there. Chris was there. He was there Saturday, so we got him. Um, and Spencer did show up. Uh, hi, Spencer. It was great seeing you again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget when we ran into him at Gen Con. Yeah, that was interesting. It, it's always it's always great. Like meeting, we had a we did have a lot of people who kind of knew knew of us, and um, a few people who like you know we rec recognized. But it was a lot of people who were like, "Yeah, I follow you guys," and we're like, "Oh, cool. I don't know who you are." <laughs> oh, um, this was an interesting interaction. So there was someone who had talked to us and like, uh, so are you guys? And I, and I gave like the spiel of who we are. It's like, oh, twin sons. And like, she pulled out a, she pulled out, a, she pulled out, a, what was it? She pulled out something that was like, I think it was a pamphlet. And she was like, so my favorite episode of Rebels is like the twin sons episode. Can you sign this? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> So I had I, I signed something uh, for Rebels. So that was <laughs> that was interesting. this may be one of my favorite stories you've ever told me. That's for, you actually signed it. But what what would you do? I I mean fair enough. <laughs> but honestly, someone says, "Hey, can you sign this thing?" You're just like, "Okay, okay." So, not to be outdone uh, by that, we had an interesting conversation with our uh, contact at Delray, which, um, so, funny how this started. So, um, we had we had a whole bunch of people who would stop by the booth and, like, ask about us and stuff. And, like, right by the table, like, near the end of the, near the end of um, a Thursday, day one on Thursday, or sorry, Thursday was day two. Yeah, that's right. It was Wednesday through, what, Saturday? Yeah, but it was late Wednesday, then it was, like, Thursday at—no, it was Wednesday through Monday. No, sorry, it was Thursday through Monday, but Thursday was a half day. But anyway, in the end, we're, like, um, someone had left a bag, and it was a bag from the Delray booth, and we're, like, okay, that's interesting. And we looked inside the bag, and there was, like, a bunch of, like—it was, like, two or three, like, uh, pins and, like, a, a patch. There was the— there was the um, the celebration exclusive Masters and Kenobi hardcover in there, and the and a badge. Oh, so shit. we were we were just like, 
okay, this is weird. So we hang on to this for about an hour, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go over to um, I'm gonna go over to Delray and like uh, tell them like, hey, we found this by our table. So like, if we get someone who like you know asks like, did I leave my stuff? It's like tell them it's over here. So I go over and I talk with our contact at Delray, and he's like, oh. It's like, oh, how about I just pick it up so you can just send it to us, you know, because it starts up. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. So we're walking back, and uh, we're walking back, and we, uh, I hand the thing, and, you know, we're, we're just uh, making idle conversation, uh, talking about, like, catching up a little bit because we'd met him previously at the previous celebration. And then the guy who uh, <laughs> literally while we're talking to him, a guy comes up to us like, hey, did you get a – did you guys uh, – did you guys find, like, a bag that had, like, a badge and, like, a, a book <laughs> – the, the masters and master and apprentice book in it and i remember he was like hiding it like like i don't know but yeah then he handed it to him <laughs> but, but anyway uh while we were talking um the comp uh topic of you and the fire came up and like uh we were telling like yeah he lost everything he's like um and he, so he said like uh send me his information because we have like a whole bunch of um we have a whole bunch of like books lying around the office i can send him like a care package um which and is awesome, thank you. And yeah, we, we did, and you got what was in that? Um, okay, photo? I'm looking at it right now. Uh, it's on my shelf. I got a copy of Master and Apprentice, Thrawn Alliances, Rogue One, Battlefront 2, Inferno Squad, Last Shots, uh, The Last Jedi, Heir of the Empire 20th Anniversary Edition, and From a Certain Point of View. Hmm. Yeah, no, it was a really nice, uh, nice pickup. Yeah, and I, I assume that you didn't have uh, since the fire you, that you hadn't repurchased any of those yet. So nope, I had a paperback copy of *Air the Empire*, but that was it. That I bought the... for like eighty cents or something like that. But not the super cool twentieth uh, anniversary hardcover edition. Yeah, with the annotations. I really like that one. Uh, yeah. No, it was really nice. And I, I thank you very much, Delray. It was made me cry a little bit when I opened it. Cause, yeah. And they're all in hardcover, too. I want to add that. So Yeah, I think I sent you a photo of that, didn't I, Dylan? Yeah, I did. I just couldn't remember what was in it. Uh, another, actually, we actually hit a milestone while we were at Celebration. We had the 1,000th book donated to us. And, um, Jeremy, if you had to guess, what do you think was the 1,000th book donated to us? Crystal Star? No, but, uh, funny story about Crystal Star, I'll get to in a, I'll get to after this. Uh, but no, it wasn't Crystal Star. Uh, someone donated, uh, actually, no, we, we had three of these, but... Three people donated the Delray sampler, and the Delray sam and one of them literally donated it as the one thousandth book. The Delray sampler? Yeah. Why? I guess they didn't want it. <laughs> but we were like, okay. That's like getting Reader's Digest. <laughs> I mean, at least it's Star Wars. Uh, someone also uh, donated Aftermath, which we got a, we got a kick out of. <laughs> How many new canon books got donated? Uh, quite a few, actually. I'm not uh, surprised if they're buying them from vendors. Yeah, 
you're gonna end up with that. Are, do you give those out? Oh yeah, we still we still donate them. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll. Uh, we we talked about this before, I believe. There's even a post, but usually when it comes down to when we're actually purchasing the books ourselves and we have control of it, we don't like to donate canon simply because. A, they're more expensive paperback-wise. They're like uh, an average about $2 more expensive. And then before you say, oh, on Amazon, they're discounted. Yeah, but like the the Legends books are also discounted. So it's still like $2 more, even after the discount. Because never... people say that. People say that. People have told us like, well, actually, if you look on, right now, you you could find a you can find a new Dawn for $8.36. And it's like, yeah, and I can and I can find Kenobi for $6.23. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's still it's still it's still $2 it's still $2 more and every and $2 is literally we're giving away four books when we could be giving away five. So that they're also bigger. For some reason they decided to make them trade paperback side, so they're like they're like an inch taller the canon books. They're not as tall as like um Lost Tribe of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah, uh but when we but when we actually get canon books, I mean, if you if you give us a canon book, we'll still donate it. We, it's like okay, you know. So we got aftermath. We got a whole bunch of um. We got like a lot of the picture books, like that that DK does. Oh, cool. So uh, those would be fun to give out in the hospital. Yeah, to give them to younger kids. Yeah, we're actually um, that actually is a conversation that we're having. Like, hey, maybe we should uh. Maybe we should include like you know ten or twenty of these, like d depending on how much they are. Obviously, mm -hmm. when we do uh, younger stuff, because our usually go to is just like, oh, you're too young. Well, like just have your parents read it to you. Yeah, um, I'm planning on doing a big uh, twin sons donation because I have doubles. Um, I bought. I got someone gave me a whole, complete Jedi Apprentice paperback set. Ooh. And a complete Jedi quest set. And, and so you already I, have both of them? Well, I had some of the, I I didn't have any Jedi quests, but I had a couple of the Jedi Apprentice books. And I also just purchased Young Jedi Knights in hardcover again. I finally found all of them. Ooh. So I have a couple of Young Jedi Knights paperbacks. I know you're always those are pretty sought after in your twin son stuff. The Young Jedi Knights paperbacks? Uh yeah. Well, kind of yeah, but the problem with a lot of the paperbacks, uh, the Young Jedi Knights, like, because you can get them. I bought, I bought the entire set like in paperback, and they're about four dollars each. But mm -hmm. like, some of them are like parts of the covers are ripped off, and like they have a lot of like gaudy. Like, one of them has like three different, um, different like stickers from like a, a price of it being sold at one point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh man, these people have no culture. Um, I hate I hate when people put stickers on books. Mm, yeah, I fundamentally hate it. It's like when someone writes, like when I was in elementary school, it drove me nuts when a teacher would write their name on the binding of the book, like uh, or like on the pages. Like, mm -hmm. get that out of here! I hate it. Do annotations in books books bother you? Yes, I detest doing annotations. In fact. I told I took a lower grade in a class because the teacher insisted on annotating, and I would just write. I would my book was all weird and like lumpy because <clears> I put post-it notes in where I wanted my annotations. 
because I hate annotating in books. I, I consider it defacing a book. Yeah, I can get that. I don't know. I've just always been that way. It's like an OCD thing for me. I respect that. But yeah, <laughs> go on. Uh, I think that was it um, for uh, the celebration. Um, oh, Crystal Star. So celebration was literally like a week after um, Barbara um, – no, Vonda, Vonda McIntyre. Sorry, I get them confused because Barbara. they're like the t- they're like the two authors from the Bantam era that get like the most flack. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, Vonda McIntyre um, passed away, and I remember I was because um, we had a we had a map of like um, of the convention center, and like before it started, we were going out and finding all like the vendors that were selling books, so we can like mark for people who like hey i want to donate but like i don't know where to get books and like oh yeah this booth selling them and this booth selling them but anyway when i was going through i find i find one that had a whole bunch of bantam hardcovers and one of them was a copy of um the crystal star and i remember thinking through it and i believe um it, if i was reading the if i was reading the um the number right i believe it was a third edition it, it's really difficult to tell with uh, publishers a lot of times what edition these are but, like, I believe it was the third edition. But I remember thinking, like, oh, cool. And, like, oh, that's that's kind of sad, actually. Because she just passed away. And everyone hates this book. I got a copy. Like, so, um, my parents were like, what Star Wars book do you want? I'm like, I want another copy of Crystal Star because she just passed away. Hmm. So, yeah, I have a copy of Crystal Star now in hardcover. I also have both Barbara Ham. Hambly books in hardcover, too. Yeah, I believe... Um, oh, we... Uh, we were also invited to go to the... Um, there was a Swator event for... Um, or where they announced the up-and-coming expansion. I... Um, I was literally the only member of Twin Sons that didn't, like, know anything about... I don't know anything about Swator. I don't play the game. I didn't really care. But everyone else seemed excited about it, so... They added Nautilus to the game, which uh, I was surprised at the fact that Nautilus weren't in the game, because they're, like, my favorite species, but, you know. I won't actually make that joke, because it will get explicit tag on this podcast. Mm. I'm trying not to do that. Well, at least you're not Dave Filoni, who made Kit Fisto blink, even though they don't have eyelids. <laughs> You'll never let that one go. Still salty about that, by the way. It's, it's stupid. I, I, I hold grudges in Star Wars over less, so fair enough. But yeah, so at the end of it, um, so we had a we had a final destination for the books already in mind. They were all... Uh, the books, um, as many books as we could, were going to go into Anne and Robert Lurie's Children's Hospital in Chicago. However, the hospital did have a caveat that the books that they were getting had to be new because um, if they're in someone's collection, even if they're like not read and in someone's collection, they can get like a bunch of bacteria and stuff, which is bad for the kid, kids and all. So they had to be physically new. And then when we got them, as soon as we got them, we had to wrap them in plastic. So we had like, we had basically giant plastic sandwich bags that we were like shoving books into, um, in order to get get them. So we quarantined all the new books, and we ended up out of the 114, 36 of them were the new books that went to Anne Robert Lurie's Children's Hospital. 
the rest were given to our uh, Ohio, uh, not Ohio, Iowa guy, um, who uh, I guess I'll shout out his um, Facebook and Twitter handle. Uh, it's containing the Star Wars Legends universe. He was he was uh, he was really big in getting us like pictures of the event. You can if you go to the Twinsons Facebook page or his um, or the continue the Star Wars Legends universe. Um, him and Amelia were great about getting like a lot of images. You can kind of scroll through there. But anyway, so he uh, he took the rest to Iowa and has done two of three now donations. So he took thirty two to uh, the Northwest Junior High School in um, Coralville, Iowa, and the additional thirty one to Clear Creek. Um, Amana Middle School in um, Tiffin, Iowa. And there are still 15 left, which he's trying to find a final school to, uh, to get, uh, get those books off to, which um, as, soon as, uh, as soon as they're donated, we'll have the update on, um, on the website and page. But yeah. There we go. It's now the moment that you've all been waiting for. Marvel Star Wars issue 108, the continuation of the legend continuity. Um, this issue was awesome. Uh, so I want to get into first my quest to get this issue because it was an undertaking. So Dylan, you didn't have too much. You bought like every cover you could, correct? Yes, but I did have... Um... So, so I unfortunately found out that the comic shop that I'd always gone to closed down. Oh. <laughs> so, I, there were other co- – I'm in a – there were other comic shops in the area. So the second comic shop I went to only had the one main cover, and then I went to three other comic shops looking for the remaining covers and didn't find them. The last, co- the literally the last comic book shop I went to because like, the comic sh- book shops were basically in a circle. So like, where like it was technically the uh, there were two that are like the closest, but they're on like either side of me, mm-hmm. and there's others like kind of far away in the middle. So I was basically going into a like a circle. I was circling around to get to the last one. So the other one that was the second close to me had literally all of them. <laughs> Except for like the uh, the rare like um because there's eight variant issues but two are like one's twenty dollars one's thirty dollars and one hasn't come out yet it doesn't get released until later in June and yes. that one's also like thirty dollars but I got all like the all I got all like all the five dollar ones um my thing so I took Wednesday off to try to get my comic try to get one issue i want just the main cover unfortunately tuesday i ended up in the hospital and we won't necessarily get into that because that's not important on this podcast but like i can't drive right now that's like my main thing so i walked to the comic book shop with my girlfriend and it was closed on a wednesday when comics come out and so I had to work the rest of the week. And today, so I bought the I bought the issue on Comixology, and I had already read it. Um, I read it Thursday, but uh, I only just got a physical copy today. And I bought the last 
Marvel Star Wars 108 in the whole store. It's completely sold out. But yeah, um, let's get into the plot of issue 108. Yeah, so this guy that... Um, the, the guy that's on the cover who... Uh, Valance. Valance. Are, are we going to full spoilers? <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, let's give a spoiler warning. We're going right. to have to spoil. So, in the late 30s of Marvel issues, Val well, Valance was a character in, I want to say, Star Wars issue 15? 15 or 16. He is hunting down Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker <laughs> likes droids, and Valance hates droids. But the, the issue was noteworthy because it was the only time in that run that didn't have any of the movie characters in it. And the fans hated it when it came out. Um, so Valance is just a, a villain. He shows up a few issues later or has a confrontation with Luke and then realizes the error of his ways. And then he fights Vader and dies. Like, it like falls into like an acid lake or something I thought it, was, it looked like a lava lake when i read it or, yeah because the beginning of it does have like a re of like a brief recap because i do like the first four pages are essentially catching up on that part of the story well val the point is valance didn't actually die his he just went into like a stasis mode because he's a cyborg mm -hmm. um and he's his body's dredged up from the the lava lake which doesn't make any sense, but it it's Marvel Comics. We'll give let it pass. Meanwhile, the main characters, uh, well, Han and Chewie are supposed to be smuggling something, and it goes wrong, and then they run into Jackson and Amaza from early on in the series. Jackson, of course, is infamous for being the Green Rabbit. Mm -hmm. And Amaza is just his eye candy partner. Um... And then they team up because the uh, the remaining tag sister is still alive, and she's trying to take these uh, these two rubies that create this uh, disease called the Crimson Forever, and trying to get her revenge on the New Republic. Which, which is this does this movie does take place? Uh, sorry, this movie this comic does take place after um, Return of the Jedi. Where all of the Marvel comics before that, I believe, were between Empire and Jedi? No, they continued on. Issue 81 through 107 is right okay. after Return of the Jedi. I didn't uh, know that. Because there's a whole war they have with a race of aliens that's kind of forgotten. Um, but that's, that's, that's also mostly concluded in Luke Skywalker and the Shadow of Mindor and in Legacy of the Force. They pretty much conclude the storyline, except for this storyline was never concluded uh, because the uh, the Crimson Forever is thrown on a Star Destroyer at the end of issue 50 and blasted off into unknown space and the tags find it. And Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie have to stop it, pretty much. And that's the, uh, that's the uh, issue. It's a very Marvel Star Wars-esque story. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, Dylan, what did you think of it? Uh, I was lost. 
Yeah, uh, so the guy who wrote it was a huge fan of the Marvel comics, and you could tell because he references things constantly throughout the issue. There's a lot of characters that show up um, from the Marvel comic. Mm -hmm. Which I highly recommend you do read, Dylan. I think you get a kick out of it. It's kind of goofy now. But, like, back then it was Star Wars. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I can understand. I, I don't think there... I think there were a lot of people that didn't like this issue. Really? Yeah, I was starting to get that because there's a lot of people who don't understand what's going on. I You should read issue 50 before you read this issue. <clears throat> 50s kind of is very helpful. A lot of the references in that in 108 come from issue 50, but not all of them. Because I mean, hmm. there's a handful of things like I didn't know, like the jumping little rabbit alien with the weird eyes, the little thing that says, Leia, Leia, your brother's here, or something like that. That's from later on in the series, and I have not read that yet. Like, I, ref I recognize what it was, but not. I didn't really get it. But a lot of the uh, references do come from early on in the comic run. And I like that. Um, there's one thing. I like Valance, the hunter. I, th I always thought he was a cool bounty hunter. Like when I, when I did read that storyline. Um, I didn't like Lando wasn't in it. Because Lando was really key in issue 50 with getting rid of the crimson forever well why is he not there you know and it's not like lando wasn't in the later issues of the comic he actually there's at least one story arc that lando's the main character in the uh, old marvel comics after return of the jedi so it just didn't make sense why he wasn't there hmm but other than that, I really liked it. I thought Valance's story, conclusion was beautiful. Um, I like that the tags are foiled again. Uh, I like that Jackson's more of a cutthroat and tries to betray them. Yeah. And I, I thought for a minute, like, when that happened, I thought from, like, oh, man, is this when they're finally going to kill Jackson? And, like, you know... Yeah, that was a good. That was a funny tease. Because I I don't think he shows up in anything after that timeline wise. So I'm like, I, I guess it would make sense that he died here. Yeah, but they don't. So, mm. yeah. it is what it is. I don't think they killed uh, the tag sister either. In it, well. Do you know about her plot line and why she hates Luke? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, that, uh, again, another another thing that I was confused about. Okay, so but right before, this is the story arc before Empire Strikes Back. Luke is sent to her planet. She was a priestess originally. Well, the tags, her older brothers were arch nemesis of the the Rebellion, because they are trying to one-up Vader and win the Emperor's favor. That's their whole thing, especially Baron Tag, her oldest brother. Mm -hmm. 
And Baron Tag has a vendetta against Vader because Vader cut his eyes out with a lightsaber. Like, just horribly maimed him, and he has to wear, like, special eyes in order to see. And he's he's not Force-sensitive, but he's a good saber duelist. And he actually ends up kidnapping Luke at one point, and they have a duel together. And he uh, considers Luke a, a rival because Luke beats him in a duel, but lets him live. Um, well, eventually, the, the tags are thought killed, but it's Vader's actually holding them in stasis for some evil reason. And Vader is sent to the same planet that the Tag sister... Tag sister's a priestess. This uh, planet's neutral. The Rebellion and the Empire sending diplomats over to win them over. That's this plot line. Mm. But Vader tricks the Tag sister into trying to kill Luke and um, finds out... She just finds out that uh, Vader and Luke are behind the uh, deaths of her brothers and she sends them to kill one another in this, like, valley. Well, Baron Tag escapes his imprisonment and is also running around in there. Vader knows this, and Vader uses... You remember in uh, Legacy of the Force Sacrifice when Kytus turns himself into Ben real quick? The mm -hmm. full Mara? Vader does a similar thing to Baron Tag and makes Luke think that he's fighting Vader, and Luke kills Baron Tag. Hmm. And the Tag sister swears that she will destroy the Rebellion and the Empire. And that's why she tries to use the Crimson Forever in issue 50. And nearly kills Luke. Luke gets poisoned by it, but survives. Um, and she's, like, basically financially ruined afterwards. And, like, she spent the rest of her fortune scouring the galaxy. And then in issue 108 finds the Crimson Forever again. But that's okay. why she hates Luke. And <clears throat> it was, I liked it. I really did. It made me cry. It made me cry that we, we got a, a legend story. Like a, like a little baby. It just confused Dylan. Dylan actually hates legends. Didn't you know? No, it, it confused me. So I wasn't going to read it because I'm like, well, I haven't read any of the Marvel, so I'm not going to be confused. And you're like, no, let, read it for the podcast. I'm like, oh, okay, I read it. And I'm like, I mean, it was okay. I, I just wish I knew what the hell was going on for like half these subplots. <laughs> yeah, I would have. I thought you had read issue 50 because that got re-released. No, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to pick it up again by. I couldn't find it. No one had issue 50. No one had issue 107 around me, but everyone had issue 108. Did they re-release issue 107? Yeah, they, they released uh, release 107. Okay, I didn't know that. I've never read issue 107. They, yeah, they were they were really they were they really worked hard to make sure that you weren't um, that you had uh, as much. And it, it, you know, it's great. I mean, there are uh, a lot of people who were like. I don't know. There's a lot of people in the general movement that are like, but it's not like really, you know, it's like, it's Marvel and it's like S canon and it's like, it's this and, you know, it. Look, this. <laughs> this is our chance, okay? This is like, this is like our serenity, basically. It's not exactly 
what it's we want, but it's like Serenity. That movie's garbage. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, from a, a, a from like the aspect of it's not it's a continuation, but it's not technically the type of continuation we asked for. But it is like it's still like going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's fun. It's got this. It was made with love, and that's the thing I wanted to bring up. It was written by a guy who adored this series, and it's just nice to have that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I give it a 5 out of 5. Pretty perfect. It had the best art I've ever seen in the Marvel Star Wars comics, too. Those, those, especially those early issues were infamous for being garbage in the art department. I mean, Luke looked like He-Man for like 20 issues. Yeah. The art, actually, I didn't mind that much. No, it was it was a throwback, but at the same time, it was kind of modern. I thought it was really good. Uh, yeah, it... It, um... It kind of split the difference, I guess. Yeah, it was it was a good issue. So, Dylan, what mm -hmm. are you reading right now? Uh I am reading uh um what is the third one? True Colors? Republic Commando True Colors? Yeah, oh, True Colors. Oh god. What did you, I have to ask, what did you think of Triple Zero? It's like Karen Travis is infuriating. Oh, I know. It's fucking. It's like she's such a good writer. When, when like when you're like with the clones and like you're getting into like their inner monologues and like and like the operation aspect of it and like you know the tactics. It, it's just like it's just like beautiful. When it's like even when it's like the character drop like you know of like the Mandalorian lore and culture. It's little. It's legitimately fascinating. Like. Mm -hmm. But it's like as soon as it gets to the part of as soon as it gets to like the romance part, it's just like, but why though? <laughs> it's this it's anytime Itane is in there, it gets mm -hmm. bad. It she is like I, I said it in my review. She is the reason that book's bad. She's just a terrible character. But like it's it's not it's not that the book is bad. It's like it's solid except when it's not. Yeah, it's it's weird because like the other Jedi that's with them is really he's a really fun character. Mm -hmm. He's a very Karen Travis Jedi. Yeah, of course, because well, she hates writing Jedi, which is infuriating in a in a book called Star Wars. And also, I just want to get this out of. I just want to like. So, I noticed a few other. Um, uh, what I think it was it was Shatterpoints. And um, the Cessus deception that got into this a bit as well of like the oh the normal Jedi are like you know kind of distance and like a kind of off put and like don't care about the the clone troopers and like and Karen Travis does this thing too where it's like it's all the Jedi except for Anakin and like these specific Jedi who are like who are like kind of like eh you know you're you're like a tool and I'm like that's not how a Jedi would look at this situation though that's. <laughs> I mean, there would be some that would. 
but it, it wouldn't be the norm. No. That and that was, I've, damn it, Karen Travis, you've got me defending Dave Filoni here. <laughs> the the whole like the whole thing with Plo Koon of like we're meant to be expendable, not to me. The whole Umbara arc where like where Prong Krell was the exception to the rule. Yeah. That is more believable. Yeah, well, the, the Jedi value life. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it, yeah, oh, God, I didn't know. I didn't, I've never read Cestus Deception or Shatterpoint, mm-hmm. mainly because I've heard they're both bad. Uh, uh, Cestus Deception is interesting. Shatterpoint is, it's all right. They're, they're not great. There's worse, but like there's um, not much that stands out about them. Uh, um, but uh, uh, the climax because I, I haven't read True Colors because I was so irritated with Triple Zero. Um, Triple Zero's climax when they go on the Mandalorian hunt for those terrorists mm-hmm. is freaking incredible oh it is they all armor up Mm -hmm. and they they just you you just see basically just mandalorians doing what they do it's awesome Mm -hmm. but then like you it's intercut with skarada being like oh what am i going to do with this baby that's on the way and i'm like oh my god first of all why would well, I mean, I kind of get why Skarada would just say F you to attain for taking advantage of one of his boys. Mm-hmm. But, like, his whole thing of, I have to take the baby out of here, and, like, that I don't understand why that plot line has to even be. Yeah, it... it... And that that's the thing I don't... I don't understand, and we we on this podcast in particular, we've given Karen Travis a lot of crap for doing this, but she isn't the only one that's done this. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Cessna's deception. There was a there. It wasn't a Jedi, thank God, but there was a character who knew Django who fell in love with an Arc Trooper because the Arc Trooper reminded her of Django. But did the, was it reciprocated? Yes. See, the, there is a hint of this that's done right in the Republic comics and is uh, Ayla Sakura and her clone commander. Is it Bly? Bly? Uh, you would know. I haven't, read, I I haven't read the Republic comics outside of Obsession and um, Jabim. It's kind of hinted at, at least this is what I interpreted it, and probably other people have interpreted it other ways, that her clone commander loves her, but, like, it's not like he understands, like, love like other beings would, because he's just bred to kill people. And to bite it if it needs to happen, you know? Like, he has a huge respect for her, and, like, he cares about her. Um, but that's that's just what that should be. I don't I don't get the whole the clone Jedi thing for one thing. Like I get if a clone loves a Jedi, but like 
a Jedi, Etain would know better than to do that. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what, that's what didn't make any sense. It also devalues the whole, to a degree, the Anakin Padme love. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's bad. How's true colors then? Is it as bad as triple zero in that regard? Yeah and no. God. Because it's like, again, the whole like the whole thing of um, well, I know how this ends because I've read a, I've already read a Legacy of the Force. So, oh yeah, that's that's I forgot. But there's a there's a there's a subplot where they're trying to find uh, one Camino scientist that was like responsible for like the rapid aging to see if uh, and to basically reverse it so that the clones could have like a full life. And that's kind of a uh, a subplot. That's basically Scarita's goal throughout this book and the others as well. But like, it seems like in this one is where he's really like going down like this is what we're going to do at least from what i've read so far and i know how that plays out because you get a payoff for that in um, legacy of the force of uh of what passing yeah but you do get like you do get like the payoff of what finally happened uh happened to that scientist and like does does that uh does it exist and or not is this the book where we get the the weird half-assed what happened to Sev at the end of the Republic Commando video game? Is that in True Colors or is that in Order sixty six? Uh, I haven't. I'm not that far into True Colors, so it it might be Order sixty six. But you know what? Uh, what I'm talking about in the game, right? Yes. Yeah the the worst cliffhanger to a video game ever. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, it wouldn't be that bad if you know they actually finished it. <laughs> but they weren't ever going to plan to make Imperial Commando the game. That was that got pushed back for like a decade, and then they scrapped it before Lucas Arps went out of business. Yeah, that's like the number one game I'd want. F Force Unleashed three. I wanted a Republic Commando too. God, we're getting into the disappointed. The disappointment of Star Wars. Welcome to the Legends Podcast, where we where we talk where we where we talk about all the books we don't like and games we don't like or we're disappointed. Uh, but yeah, True Colors. How far are you into it? About I want to say like a hundred pages. Okay. So yeah, have you read True Colors? No, I stopped at triple zero. Okay. I always meant to go back to it, but now I don't have the Republic Commando hardcovers I used to have. That's just one series I don't even own, so I can't even uh, read it right now if I wanted, even if I wanted to. It's actually the only Clone Wars novels I don't own now. Hmm. The adult fiction. Um, I bought everything else. I even own MedStar again. And that one's hard to find. The hardcovers. Yeah. It, I, is it I a two-in-one hardcover? Yeah, it's a sci-fi book club exclusive. But that I got I own all of the century hardcovers again. Which are 
stealth and the was it the Gambit duology stealth and siege. I own those. Yeah. I own no prisoners and wild space. I own the Karen Travis uh, Clone Wars movie novelization. I own Jedi Trial Yoda Dark Rendezvous Shatterpoint. Did I say Jedi Trial already? Well, I own that. And uh, Cestus Deception. Hmm. I own all of those in hardcover. The ones, uh, the, the Republic Commando ones are kind of hard to find. Uh, also, other ones in that are hard to find. Of course, the Century ones. Well, they're not necessarily hard to find. They're expensive. You're paying like $100 a piece for them. Hmm. Uh, sometimes more. Uh Yoda Dark Rendezvous is hard to find too, and so is MedStar, because those were book club exclusives. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Why are uh, why are the Clone Wars uh, novels and the um, the the Stealth and Gambit, as well as Wild Space and um, uh, the other one, No Prisoners? And the clone, why are all those only in trade paperback size? They for... never got printed in hardcover through Delray in the U.S. Like I said, they're Century Prints, which is the U.K. imprint. I don't understand it either. It's the this strangest <clears throat> thing. It's like, why, why did certain things only come out through Sci-Fi Book Club? Like uh, the la Michael Reeves' The Last Jedi, that hardcover, because they already had printed Coruscant Knights in a trilogy hardcover, um, and so they printed Last Jedi in hardcover, but it was only in the book club size. That's like nearly impossible to find. That's like one of the hardest book EU books to find in hardcover. It's up there with Lando Calrissian and the Mind Harp of Sharu, which that makes sense because that was from like the early 80s. Mm -hmm. Last Jedi, it's just they didn't print a whole lot of them. Or uh, Shadow Games, that's another one that's hard to find. Um, Scourge is a little hard to find, too. Um, there's a few of them. I've been pretty lucky recently in picking up things. Uh, I recently just purchased Mount Lando Calrissian and the Flame Wind of Osiris, or Ocean. I think it's Ocean. Mm -hmm. And Shadow Games, both in hardcover. Hmm. Um, but I mean, like, you also have your, like, there's, like, post-Jedi ones that are hard to find. Like, for a long time, Traitor was hard to find in hardcover. It's because it was only a, it was a sci-fi book club exclusive. Uh, well, now all of New Jedi Order is expensive. Also, um, Dark Nest is hard to find. It finally happened. Dark Nest became collectible. Hmm. I don't. I don't get why. It's not. Dark Nest isn't that great. But it, there you have it. Well, uh, you know what's not collectible anymore is the AC Crispin Han Solo hardcover, because it got reprinted in, in the those leather bound Barnes and Noble exclusives. Do you remember that? I do not know. When Solo was coming out, Barnes and Noble got permission, and they oh yeah, that actually happened. They released them. I actually bought one, so I have 
the the AC Crispin Han Solo trilogy and uh, like it has the Legends banner on it. It's a really cool hardcover. Yeah, I've seen it. I um, obviously I've seen them, but yeah. Um, are you reading anything else besides True Colors? No, I'm also uh. It's the summer, so like um. Usually I usually I'll read before my classes. Mm-hmm. So like but like when I'm sitting at home, I always find other things to do than read unless like unless I'm really into the book or like I'm near the end or I just want to finish it. In that case, I'll I'll finish it, but like because I'm only like I'm barely in I'm only like 100 pages in and as good as it is, as infuriatingly good as it is, I just like yeah, it's not one of the ones that I'm like I'm like um uh I'm not um I'm not in a hurry. Well, I actually am in a hurry to finish it because at a at celebration uh I kind of got dunked on a lot because I was the only one who hasn't who hasn't read the uh only one of the Twinsons people who hasn't read the uh Revenge of the Sith novelization. Yeah, I'm missing much. Well, that's because you you hate that book, but or you hate Matthew Stover, I should say. I hate that book. That's for sure. I'm almost certain that I will love Traitor because of how short it is. If you give Matthew Stover too many pages, it's a nightmare. It's a technical. Oh, this is how a tight uh, a tight defender works and functions for pages. I'm talking about Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mindor and how tedious that book is. I haven't even finished it. I had to stop. I was like, dear God, what am I reading? Interesting. I hate that book. Actually, I hate that more than Revenge of the Sith. It, it's unbearable. That first chapter is just unbearable and the, the tedium. Like, I, I kept falling asleep reading it. Um... But yeah, you've I I'm shocked you haven't read Revenge of the Sith. Well, because I'm reading them in in order, so I need to finish True Colors. Uh, what is it? It's True Colors, the Med Star duology, Dark Rendezvous, Labyrinth of Evil, and then I can, and then I can um, read. Uh, Have you read Stealth and Siege already? I've read Stealth and Siege. How how was that? Uh, which two were those again? <laughs> those are the ones. Exactly. Uh, they so, read like Clone Wars episodes. Yeah. Um, I I'm started to remember. stealth and hated it. It was the audio book. It starts oh, yeah, with Ahsoka that's... doing stuff. And I'm like, oh, nope, 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 nope. I just finished Ahsoka. I'm not going to have any more Ahsoka adventures for a long time. Shut that off. Yeah, okay, yeah, you reminded me. Um, It was, uh, I hated its ending. I hated stealth's ending. Well, yeah, um, the general, like... I think the consensus on Stealth and Siege is that it should have just been one book. Yeah. I know a lot of, they don't, Stealth and Siege are books that people don't talk about at all when they talk about Star Wars. Like, that, those are ones that I, I, it's up there with Star Wars Galaxies, like, dance, like, the Dantooine book. Do you remember that tie-in? 
Uh, no. Yeah, Star Wars Galaxies, the MMO, got a book. I think it's called Ruins of Dantooine. No one talks about it. I don't even know what it's about. But I know it exists. I've never owned it. But it's out there. And that's the same thing with Stealth and Siege. The only thing going for them are they have kind of interesting-looking covers that in the bland department. I don't know. I like Stealth's cover, but Siege, Anakin's face looks doofy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all right, because it's mainly Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, it, oh my, it has this thing where, like, there's this, I, I can, I consider, it's almost exactly, no, it's, like, exactly like, um, in, um, uh, the first Barbell Hamley one. Children of the Jedi. Yeah, where there's, like, a scene where, like, you know, they set up something, but then it never happens. The whole thing, right, is, like, the the whole thing is, like, because it switches back and forth between Anakin and Obi-Wan's perspective. And, like, Obi-Wan really wants to know what happened, what happened on, um, at Tatooine during, um, what happened at ta- on Tatooine uh, during Attack of the Clones. And, like, Anakin won't tell him. And Anakin really wants to know what happened on, um, the uh, the Sith planet that uh, um, wild that like uh, wild the uh, Clone Wars Wild Space took place on. Oh, that's also and, a Karen Miller book. I thought yeah. Wild Space came after these two. And it like it 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 sets up the entire two books. Set up the fact of like Anakin really wants to know this thing, but won't tell him about this thing. Obi Wan wants to know about this thing, won't tell him about this thing. It's like okay, so yeah, this is gonna be great. It's like they're gonna have the scene where like they finally break down, and one tells the other what he wants to know, and then in exchange, he tells the other the, what he wants to know, and like you know they'll bond. But that never fucking happens. Well, they- I can tell you why it doesn't happen. In Kenobi, Obi Wan discovers what Anakin did on Tatooine, and then feels guilty about it. Hmm. That and that's a really cool scene. I didn't know that that hap- that was going on in these two books. <laughs> she pro- because they I think they probably came after Kenobi, and she probably intended to do that, and then they they're like, can't do it. It can't it contradict. But why did they leave it? Why, why did they leave up all leave in all the setup? <laughs> probably for filler. Uh, exactly. My thoughts exactly. Yeah, they're they're annoying. Did you like Wild Space at all? Wild Space. Uh, it was okay. Um, I, I know. Like... Out of all of those Dave Filoni Clone Wars tie-ins, I think No Prisoners is the best. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think it would go no prisoners, wild space, then um, then the Clone Wars novelization, and then the Karen Miller duology. I like the Clone Wars movie novelization. Yeah, uh, it was I okay. Thought, I thought it was pretty decent. Um, it gave me some vibes of Terry Brooks's Phantom Menace novel. Which I also love, but I love Terry Brooks as an author. I think he's fantastic, and I wish he would would have written more Star Wars. Um, but yeah, uh, 
what I've I've been reading a lot. So we should we should get it. Oh well, let's get your opinion on Shatterpoint because that's what you were reading last time we had a podcast. Oh, uh, Shatterpoint! It was it was decent. It was like um, it's good. Um, well, it doesn't actually have an answer. It has like a non-answer of what happened to Deepa Balaba. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to spoil it, but like, it, it it's kind of like, it's kind of like, oh, this is why she's not in. Uh, this is why she's not in Revenge of the Sith. But then it doesn't explain what actually happened to her, like what her inevitable fate was. So it's just like, I guess we assume that can, she died. I can tell you the new canon reason she's not in Revenge of the Sith. Hmm. She's a Kanan Jarrus's uh master. Hmm. Yeah, she takes on a Padawan and leaves the council. Well, I guess that's kind of close to Legends one because she didn't leave the council, but she got like um she got like uh she got her council status revoked. Oh that's weird. Uh, don't and, spoil it. I'm probably gonna read that next. Yeah, it, it's all right. The uh... so the first person in it, like I said, the last podcast, yeah, it makes sense because it's only first person at certain points, and it's only be it's only at the points where literally Obi, uh, not Obi Wan, where Mason, Mason Windu is recording his journal. Those are the only first. Um, person points of uh, of the story, and can I it, interrupt real quick? Yeah, um, it's funny. I I've been rewatching Matt's expanded universe, and mm -hmm. I just I'm just into the rebellion era. But I started I started over because I missed like 20 videos right around the fire happening, and I just mm -hmm. got all mixed up and confused. So I've gone back and have been rewatching. But Matt doesn't like the Dear Diary stuff in Shatterpoint, but does it, there's similar stuff in Kenobi, where Obi-Wan is doing like meditations trying to talk to Qui-Gon throughout the book, and it goes into first person. Hmm. And I, I don't know what the difference is, so that's why I'm curious to read Shatterpoint, and I can compare and contrast. Well, it's interesting because there's a, there's one at the end, which I think is funny because he's not actually writing them, writing down. It's more like it's more of like an audio recorder. So it's like his audio recording. And like he does one like with another character, like recurring character. And like they kind of have like a little conversation in first person. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pseudo first person, third person, because it's like uh, it's like the, the archives. So like. Mason Windu was like, I was doing this and this and this. And like uh the guy was the other guy's like, what about this? Like, uh, what do you mean by that? It's like, oh, you know, like when this happened. And it's like it like switches back and forth between first and third, but it works. And it's kind of it works in the situation because like he's narrating, he's like, he's going over what's happening while at the same time having a conversation with this guy. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So yeah, you're on true colors. So you're almost you're pretty much yeah, done with the prequel era. Almost. Well, Matt's finally done with... Matt is finally done with the Rebellion era. But it's I, been like three episodes now, and he hasn't gotten to Truce of Bakura. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a... So, I've said this before in other videos. I swear, every time there's a Star Wars movie, 
There's about a thousand stories that happen during the movie or around it. And it's freaking, for Matt, it's got to be the biggest headache. Is trying to, like, get the continuity all down to put By in the way, videos. um, actually, no, I guess it doesn't matter because um, it does take place after Revenge of the Sith, so I, he doesn't have to go back. Or not Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, so he doesn't have to go back for it. I wonder... I do wonder where he's going to place episode 108, though. Or issue 108, I should say. Oh, it's going to be... Before, before Rogue Squadron, the Rebel Offensive. I would put it right before that. Okay. I would put it post-Rogue Leader and put it there, I think. I think that would be... I would just put it right after 107. <laughs> and so... Uh, 107. The thing with the Marvel issues is issue 81 happens right after the first Bounty Hunter Wars book. Mm-hmm. And then the other, then there's like 10 issues after, then it goes to the other two Bounty Hunter Wars books, then a couple issues. That, no, 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 no. It, the first Bounty Hunter Wars book happens, then Marvel issue 81, then Mara Jade by the Emperor's Hand issues 1 and 2, then the other two Bounty Hunter books, and the rest of the Mara Jade by the Emperor's Hand issues. Then it gets a little fuzzy, there's some Marvel issues, and then Shadows of the Empire Evolution <clears throat> happens there. That's how I put it. And it, it's a matter of opinion with Shadows of the Empire Evolutions, except for Honestly, I put Rogue Leader before Shadows of the Empire Evolutions. Because Shadows of the Empire Evolutions, to me, there really isn't a time frame for it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, also, Truce of Bakura, I, I always put that before the Bounty, Bounty Hunter Wars. Because, in my opinion... If you're doing a timeline and a reading order for post jet, like any sort of movie, the book that has the main characters in it should always come first, unless it's obvious. When when it comes to like stuff that happens at the same time, you should mm -hmm. always read like what Han, Luke, and Leia are doing first before you get into oh, here's what Mara's doing, here's what Boba Fett's doing. Here's uh, what Wedge and the Rogue Squadron's doing because it okay. all happens around the same time. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that because um, I would well, this is what I did, but I would one hundred like for example, I would one hundred percent recommend that you read um, that you read Plagueis right after um, uh, Dynasty of Evil. Right after Dynasty of Evil. Yeah, it's uh, that first chapter. A Plagueis is like the perfect like segue. I guess I kind of like having it right before Revenge, uh, before Phantom Menace, because it recaps nearly every Star Wars story up until then. See, I do. Uh, see, I would agree with you, except that like you would have to read. You'd have to read Lockdown. You have to read Lockdown, uh, Shadow Hunter, and Labyrinth of Evil. Not Labyrinth of Evil. Uh, Cloak of Deception. Deception. 
which like you read all three of those and it's like all of the weight from like the Bane trilogy you'll 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 basically forget like the Bane trilogy won't be fresh anymore and it's so much better when the Bane trilogy is fresh you see I read Plagueis before I ever read the Bane trilogy hmm uh, Plagueis was the first Sith novel I ever read. Which is weird to think about. Read the best one first. Um, We've been going on a long time about the books. <laughs> well, yeah, and I haven't even gotten to the main uh, what I've completely been reading. Because I've read a lot since the last podcast. Okay. Um, I After I dropped that, I liked Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void. That's right. That opinion still stands, too, which I wanted to get into. I, um, I read Revan, and okay. I didn't like it. Okay. I liked it and didn't like it. I liked Scourge, the Sith, the main Sith mm-hmm. in it. He, If he wasn't in the book, I would have hated it. I would have thrown it out my window. Like, it was... Revan is the most boring, OP garbage character i've ever read and the exile she's almost as bad they are both it's like when you take ambium and you don't sleep and you just sit there and you just feel miserable that that was what it was like whenever revan was doing some nonsense or the exile was doing something it was boring but when you had scourge and the sith doing stuff it was awesome and the ending, I, I know people hate the ending, and I kind of hate it, and at the same time don't hate it. I hate that... Can we I... spoil Revan? Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Look, well, I'll say yes. Spoilers for Re- Oh. All right. Official spoiler rules. We can spoil it if both of us have read it, but... We will give the spoiler warning beforehand. Okay. So, so like, since since you hadn't read uh, since you hadn't read Shatterpoint, for example, I wasn't going to spoil that. But we okay. both read Revan, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, in at the end of Revan, Scourge betrays them when they're fighting. Is it Darth? I think it's Darth Nihilus is the Emperor, correct? No, Niles isn't the Emperor. Vitiate's the Emperor. Vitiate's the Emperor. They're fighting him. And Scourge realizes he has a he has a vision that they will all die if they just ally together. And so he kills the exile. He just stabs her in the back. And Revan just gets wrecked by the Emperor. But doesn't die. And that was the annoying thing, is that Revan's just doing battle with the Emperor, like, mentally for, like, decades until he, like, finally dies, I guess. And Century? That's... It's like 300 years. Is it? Yeah. I just, I didn't like it. It was like, oh, Revan's so powerful, and I, I it's something I, I just hate. I just don't like the character of Revan. It made sense that Drew Carpershon would do that. But, like, I'm like, ugh, I don't care enough. It was sad. I felt bad for Bastila. Yeah. It's heartbreaking that she never sees her husband again. Yeah. Um, it's also weird that 
their uh, kids don't their their descendants don't have force abilities at all. No, Satil's their descendant. She has force powers. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, I did no, not pick up on because their son, like, uh, so their the way they explained it is like their son chose not to be a Jedi and to go into politics instead. But Satil is a uh, is a grandmaster, and she's there. No, she was the descendant. Yeah, it's Satil Sean. Oh, that's embarrassing. That makes more sense. But it's just like I don't know. I didn't like it. I didn't like Revan. So I read Deceived. Mm-hmm. And if you also Tuesday treadmill talks, I hated the beginning of that book because it was like wow. You know what was cool? When Anakin took the clones and went to the Jedi Temple and they killed everyone? Let's do that, but more extreme. We're going to have a bunch of Siths running to the temple. There's going to be a bunch of Jedi. And you're going to have a big laser sword fight. And it's stupid. It's so stupid on so many levels. Uh, but then after that, the book actually became a book. And I was like, oh, I'm glad. Because they had to put that... Paul S. Kemp had to put that in there because that was the trailer for the expansion to the Old Republic that they were marketing with Deceived. Like, I get that that had to be in there, but it was stupid. And I, you could tell that Paul S. Kemp didn't really want to put that in there. Um, but the rest of it, it was a beautiful story. I thought it was rather predictable. Uh, I would argue that the ending is not predictable. No, but the whole, like... The whole setup was predictable. Yeah, it, it was a very, it was a very much like, it was very much a story that you've read before. But saying that, have you read all the Old Republic books yet? I, I was getting to that. I have not read Annihilation yet. Okay, well, of the four, it's definitely the best. That's why uh, I think that's the general consensus. Is the seems the best. Annihilation. I think Annihilation is, uh, I'd rank them Deceived, Revan, Annihilation, and then, like, in Distant Last is, uh, the other one, Fatal Alliance. We'll get into talking about Fatal Alliance. I have some things I want to say about that book, but let's talk about Deceived, the good one. The good one. Um. I, uh, I for one, liked the beginning scene, but I thought it was great. I thought it was stupid. I loved the end. The end was beautiful. With it, it was it was the end. It was not an ending I expected. It's like the only thing I didn't expect. But like, it was I, I loved it because it, in the end, that the whole political thing doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. And I won't spoil it because, like, I think it's something that people should read. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Fatal Alliance. Let's talk about the book that, like, that the that's called Fatal Alliance, even though the Fatal Alliance doesn't happen until the third act. Let me get this out of the way, Dylan. This is the worst Star Wars book I've ever read. Whole, okay, this is the man. Just for context, this man, this man trudged through the aftermath trilogy. And until. Queen Shadow, which I'm reading right now, this 
literally is one of the worst books in general I've ever read. So first of all, I need to preface this by saying I fundamentally hate The Force Unleashed in every sort of form ever. It is, in many ways, I think Dave Filoni's Clone Wars is better than Force Unleashed. It is stupid. It barely, it borderlines onto fan fiction. The games are mind-numbingly easy. It it has quick time events, which that alone is the bane of my existence in not actually playing a video game. Um, the comics aren't good, and the novels are basic and bad. And they're also written by Sean Williams. Sean Williams officially is... I, if I had, were in charge of Del Rey or any sort of Lucasfilm... I would ban him from writing Star Wars. Really? Fatal Alliance was garbage. <clears throat> Absolute garbage. It had way too many characters for one thing. All of those characters were not interesting at all. And the Fatal Alliance doesn't happen until the last couple chapters of the book. The, the villain didn't even seem like a threat to the galaxy. The robots weren't that cool that were the threat. The, the, the soldiers, the hexes as they call them, not cool. Um, the Sith, both the Sith characters were bland. They made someone, have, someone getting their mind block released boring. Um, the Jedi character, his whole like you're not ready for the trials yet. This is how you get ready for it. Boring. Uh, Commando Girls Redemption. Boring. Double Agent. Most complicated character in the, in the book. Boring. So our show sponsor Comcast said we hadn't sponsored them in a while and shut off Dylan's internet. So I have to go back. I was in. A, I was on a tear on this book. It oh was man, you were like, you if, were like going at it, man. If my mic, had, if I had a longer XLR cable, I would would have dragged it to my toilet and done a can rant for everyone. In fact, I'm tempted to make this review a can rant because everyone wants a can rant again. Do it. It's just this bathroom's really hard to light. This bedroom's hard to light, too. This is, like, one of the worst lighting situations I've ever had with the anything. Um, God. So we'll get into Sean Williams real quick. Why he's worse than... you Guys, Sean Williams is worse than Chuck Wendig. You're... Okay. Okay. Until Queen Shadow... I found a worse author than them. So, Sean Williams, Force Unleashed sucks. We got that down, correct? I believe so, yes. On my opinion. So, Force Unleashed sucks. He wrote those novels. They suck. This is worse. Because this has, like, I don't even know. It felt like a hundred characters. And none of them are memorable. And 
literally I couldn't remember anyone's names. And that's a bad sign. Um, so, like, you have... You have... The, the thing is... And this is why Sean Williams is worse than Chuck Wendig. Chuck Wendig's one of those people where he intentionally wrote a book strange and it's like a baffling experience to read any of the aftermath books even with mark thompson wonderful mark thompson doing the audiobook it's just this bizarre phenomena of bad writing and just overall like a freaking eighth grader who thinks he's the next uh, hemingway writing a book that's aftermath that's all three aftermath books, and plus Chuck Wendig's a gremlin of a human being, and is truly just hilarious. I mean, he's been on the podcast before, so like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but Chuck <clears throat> Williams is just like it's it's Star Wars written like everyone writes Star Wars. So like, and and it's being screwed up, so it's worse. Um. And because he's written three off three books, I feel it's fair to compare the two authors together. They've each written three novels. But I, I'd rather read Aftermath again than read Fatal Alliance. Everything- he wrote, he wrote oh, the Force Heretic trilogy. He co-wrote the Force Heretic trilogy, I believe, as well. I really hope hope who is it Diane Dix yeah saves that trilogy because I'm not looking forward to it. It wasn't um, bad. It actually that trilogy actually does like wrap up um, some of the loose um, loose ends from the Bantam Arrow. Oh okay, okay. So I still have something. Sean Williams can still redeem himself, but ugh, oh, Fatal Alliance is horrible. Just horrible. I literally, I can't remember his name, but the only character I, I cared about was, like, the random Keldor guy, who is, like, the only survivor of, like, the, like, uh, of, like, the bodyguards. He was oh, the yeah. only one. Oh, he yeah. Was... I forgot he was it. I forgot there was a Keldor. <laughs> yeah, his, his literally character trait was, of, like, the eight bodyguards that went with the envoy, he was the only one that survived. And, like, he, he kind of became, like, a big character. He and I'm just triple like, promoted, too, out of necessity. I know. And it's yeah. like, okay, you, I literally don't care about anyone else, but if you make it out of here, that, that's all I'll need. But freaking, there's, like, this weird, like, love square going on in it. Oh yeah. Commando girl wants Jedi boys nuts, but he's not interested in her. He's kind of got like a ch- like when an 8-year-old thinks a girl's cute in class for the Sith girl. Kind of, but she kind of just wants to like All right, should I just go into explicit? Um, no, I, I, I won't. I will not. I will refrain from dropping an F bomb in this podcast. I will, I will refrain. But she just wants, she just wants the bone and take him to the dark side, if you know what I mean. Um, show that dark side of the moon. Uh, and then like the double agent guy, who I guess is supposed to be like our complicated character, but is also boring. 
he he wants to be with the freaking um commando girl commando snitch that's what i'll call her commando snitch commando snitch because she snitches on her commanding officer who's being evil but it's never explained what he did except for she considered it wrong and no one else did except for upper command and so she's just hated by everyone it's like if this is key to her character can we get a better explanation like it's just never explained um sith girl's master is just a rude jerk and just sucks yeah but that's he's like he's a sith be, he's supposed to be sinister but he just comes off as just like weak like the whole time and you're just waiting for her to she does spoilers you should not read this book she does kill him but it's in a dumb way and it doesn't even like because the whole point is sith girl was taken from the droid the droid maker who made these hexes is her mom and sith girl doesn't know this until her mind block is taken away at the beginning of the book which takes away from any sort of tension we had for the book like it's it's just not there anymore. It's like, well, there goes there goes all tension. So they attempt to make tension. And so they have to go, everyone goes to the huts at the same time to try to win the nav comp. And then their droid factory blows up. And then like they find out where the hexes are in various ways. It doesn't matter. And the point is, the fatal alliance is made between the Sith and the Jedi because the Mandalorian says they got to be friends. Mm -hmm. the Mandalorian that's like the Sith girl swears vengeance on and doesn't get vengeance on and who is blandy the blandest of all man, uh, Mandalorians is it just me because also in Deceived it felt like the Mandalorians were shoehorned in yeah like in Deceived Paulus Kemp there was a Mandalorian in that trailer for the Old Republic game. So Paul Kim had to put that Mandalorian in. Mandalorian literally has no name. And is never seen again, except for in the beginning. Uh, she's a... She does have a name. She has a name in uh, Swator. Uh, I forget what it is. It's something Visla. Of course it's something Visla. Uh, but, like, she, but she doesn't have a name in Deceived. Yeah. She has no purpose in Deceived, except for to be in the beginning, and then she's gone, which it's fine. It's not a big deal. But the Mandalorian in Fatal Alliance is there just so we can know what's going on with Mandalore, but not really. And it's, it's, it's dumb. It's really dumb. The whole book is dumb. It's the worst Star Wars book. It's, I'd say it's worse than Crystal Star. Because Crystal Star has Waru in it. And Waru, it, as a concept, is strange and wonderful. And just like, they would never do that in Star Wars today. Go into that weird. That that gets a pass over Fatal Alliance. Hmm. Interesting. 
I, I literally think it's the worst Star Wars book ever written. But then again, you're also talking to someone who likes Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void and still likes Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void. It's not the best Star Wars book, but it's something different. And, and sometimes you just need that as a fresh perspective. Would I say if you're reading to read the books, the first book you should read is Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void? Absolutely not. Do not read that first. If you're like brand new to Star Wars, that should not be your jumping on point to the EU. Am I right, Dylan? Into the Void? Uh, yes. You should def that should not be your first book. You will hate it. Um, needless to say, I, I like to think of myself as a seasoned Star Wars reader, and so I thought it was a brush of fresh air, but I'm literally like the only person I know that thinks that way. Uh no, there was um, uh, one of um our volunteers, the twin sons, actually likes that book as well. Oh, dude, I think I have a new best friend. Though we haven't heard from her in like forever. <laughs> She's secretly just me. But okay, that's good to know. It's good to know there's other people, um, uh, out there. Uh, do I want to get into the new canon I've been reading? Uh, sure. Well, I read Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Okay. And I loved it. It's the best new canon book ever written in the new canon. Really? Oh, dude, it was beautiful. Better than better than Freed? Better than Twilight Company and Rogue One? Yeah, just barely. And better, better than, than the Lucino books, too. Wow. Yeah, um... I rank Master and Apprentice as number one. In my top five new canon, yeah, Master and Apprentice is number one. If we're just talking adult novels and not young adult. Well, if we do a top five of books in general, uh, I really liked Catalyst, a Rogue One novel, because it's the boring Lucino, like, these are the characters in the background that just make things happen kind of book. I always like those. So I like Catalyst would be number two, Thrawn would be number three, uh, Twilight Company would be number four, and then Tarkin by Lucina would be five, my top five. Hmm. I think those are the the most the best written of the new canon. If we threw young adult books in there, young adult. Uh, Claudia Gray's Lost Stars is incredible. Um, Would you put that ahead of Master and Apprentice? No. Master and Apprentice is the best. Okay. Because, like, the thing with Lost Stars is it's very young adult in certain aspects. It's a love story. They're star-crossed lovers. It's Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. Kind of, they go <laughs> to the ranks of the Academy, but one of them joins the Rebellion, and the other one... She, by principle, can't relieve the Empire. And so they end up fighting on opposite sides, but they still love each other. And it's cool. It's well-written for what it is. Like, it's incredibly written for a young adult. And for a long time, it was, like, the best new canon book in general. Uh, but I think since then, we've had better stuff written, like Master and Apprentice. Because for a while there, Claudia Gray 
Like, she wrote... I thought she had written her best book first, which was a shame. Because she wrote New Republic Bloodlines, which is about Leia's fall from the Senate and why she reforms the Resistance for Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. I thought that was boring and bad. Um, It was okay, but, like, compared to Lost Stars, it was just terrible. And then she wrote Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which sets is a prequel, young adult prequel to an adult novel, which is weird to think about. Hmm. Um, but it explains uh, what how she joined the Rebellion and how she found out what her father, mother and father were involved in. And her early dealings with Tarkin are brought up. Her early, uh, her meeting Admiral Holdo, Holdo, who's the purple-haired lady, Laura Dern's character in yeah. The Last Jedi. That was kind of the point of that book uh jeremy i don't think there's a single person on this planet at this point who even who is even remotely aware of the star wars universe that doesn't know who Hadril holdo is even like I, I would venture that even the most staunch like eu like boycott at all disney knows who holdo is at this point fair enough I, <laughs> my mom couldn't remember who admiral holdo was like it's lord dern with purple hair she's like oh okay yeah and the cocktail dress yeah, her weird fashion sense. But yeah, no, Claudia Gray's excellent. Master and Apprentice was incredible. Um, it mainly, you get to see, my favorite parts were uh, when there would be flashbacks to Qui-Gon and Dooku together. Because mm-hmm. the plot of Master and Apprentice, for those of you who don't know, um, Qui-Gon is asked to be on the Jedi Council at the beginning of the book. And Obi-Wan finds out from the Chancellor at the time that that happened instead of Qui-Gon telling him. And Obi-Wan's still a kid, and, like, he feels betrayed, so there's a rift between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon from the get-go. They're sent to a planet to protect the princess of this planet who's been... uh, been taken care of by a Jedi named Rail Avaros, who was Dooku's first apprentice... Uh, but he had a falling out with the Jedi, and he's kind—he's of, still part of the Order, but he's kind of a rogue, and he's just <clears> lived <throat> as the the advisor slash he's the ruler of this planet, which is weird to think about. The Jedi would be ruling a planet, and the Council would allow it. That's like the one negative I have for this book is that just doesn't make any sense. Um, but not all is what's. Um, what's actually seen and it's about obi-wan qui-gon having the their bond return of master and apprentice and how they deal with rail avaros and what's going on with the terrorists that are trying to kill the princess Mm. it's it's really well written uh you get young qui-gon and dooku interacting you see a little bit of dooku falling to the dark side in it you actually get to i won't I won't get into that. That's major spoilers. And the book's too new for me to do that. So after that, I listened to Dooku Jedi Lost, the audio drama that um, Lucasfilm surprised us with the other last month. And it was okay. Uh, Mainly, my thing with Dooku is if I was to ever write an EU book it would be about count dooku um like 
Dooku is a character I found very fascinating, like, and not really touched upon in the Star Wars universe. I mean, they talk about him in Yoda Dark Rendezvous, and there's like a few mentions here or there, but you don't see Dooku as a Jedi. And this is what this book was about. It's ba- well, this audio drama, there is no book. It's basically Ventress is finding out Dooku's past as a Jedi, and it goes from Dooku as a youngling into Dooku leaving the Jedi Order and becoming the Count of Sereno. Okay. It's it's basically like a, an abridged audiobook about Dooku's life. And uh, th- I didn't care for that. Some of the acting was fantastic. Some of it was terrible. Um, the thing is, a lot of the voice actors they brought in just hammed it up and it just took away from the uh, whole it was a so this was a full state this was a full production right like yes this is like with the dark <clears throat> with, with the original trilogy when mark hamill came and anthony daniels came back to do the audio dramas like the radio dramas do you remember that um uh, yes a little bit it's like that um Mark Thompson's in it only as Yoda, which his Yoda's incredible. Um, and Jonathan Davis is Qui-Gon in it, and his he sounds like Liam Neeson. It's uncanny. But other than that, uh, the person they got to voice Dooku sounds nothing like Christopher Lee. And it drove me nuts. He doesn't even try to sound like Christopher Lee. And it was like, why can't we have Mark Thompson be Dooku in this? Because Mark Thompson, in my opinion, is the next best thing besides actually resurrecting Christopher Lee for this. Because I have a feeling that Christopher Lee, if he was still alive, would have done this. Because he was Dooku, I want to say, in the Clone Wars movie, the Dave Filoni movie. I could be wrong. Am I wrong, Dylan? Uh, who is? I don't believe so. Uh, I know because I know Anthony Daniels is C three PO in the Clone Wars movie, and Samuel L. Jackson does the voice of Mace Windu in it too. But I wanted to say Christopher Lee showed up in it. I don't know. I I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't remember that. If I'm wrong, go in the comment section and say I'm wrong. Call me some names while you're at it. Mm-hmm. But Dooku Jedi Lost, okay. And then we get to what I'm reading currently, and I'm reading two books. I'll get into the bad one right now. Um, Geeks Addict sent me a copy of this book, and it is Queen Shadow by E.K. Johnston. And it, up until I read this book, I considered Fatal Alliance the worst thing I'd ever read. And then I... I've been reading Queen Shadow, and it is the worst Star Wars book I've ever read. E.K. Johnston is a worse Chuck Wendig. She is the ability to suck the fun out of Star Wars. She did an Ahsoka young adult novel, Dylan, Mm -hmm. that reads like the worst episodes of The Clone Wars all put together. Um... In this, Queen Shadow is to bridge Queen Amidala to Senator Amidala. 
That's its purpose. But the freaking problem with this book is there's like 15 characters whose names all rhyme. So we got Padme, we got Corday, we got Sabe, we got Verse, we got Dorme. I mean, they all rhyme, and it's so stupid. It's like Dr. Seuss wrote this book, and I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't know who's who because they all have similar names. I mean, hmm. the, the only positives I can bring to this book are that E.K. Johnston clearly watched every episode of The Clone Wars because she's bringing in people like Senator Clovis and uh, various other senators from The Clone Wars and like explaining their relationship to Padme at the beginning of her um, time as senator before we see them in The Clone Wars. It's not well written. But hey, that's what it is. Uh, it sucks. I will just leave it at that. It's so terrible. Um, and then, of course, because I can't stomach this book half the time, I've been reading Darth Maul Shadowhunter by Michael Reeves. Still and even there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, I really like Shadowhunter. I don't, I don't, no one really talks about Darth Maul Shadowhunter anymore. Is it because Lockdown's better? <clears throat> Shut, uh, no. I wouldn't say Shatter, uh, Lockdown's better. I, I think Shatterpoint's, Shatter. yeah, I would say Shatterpoint's better. Not Shatterpoint. <laughs> Shadowhunter. Shadowhunter. I really like that Darth Maul isn't the only character in that. Um, I'm about a third of the way through it. Which one? Uh, Lockdown or Shadowhunter? Shadowhunter. Okay, yeah. It's not as gruesome as Lockdown. Because Joel Schreiber goes places that most Star Wars authors won't with Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> it goes into the foul... Remember when the, di, didn't he write the junior novelization for The Last Jedi? <laughs> he may have. I think we talked about it on the podcast. Watching that one, like, a father gets, like, ripped apart or something. Or, like, Luke gets stabbed at, at the end of Last Jedi. And, like, it's just blood all over the place, but it's not real. It's, like, projected blood. Mm -hmm. It'd be great. He he would talk about like how the sternum like cracked in like such a way that like <laughs> Kylo Ren's holding Luke still beating hard in his hands. <laughs> yeah. God for those of you who don't know, Joel Schreiber wrote Death Troopers, Red Harvest, and Maul Lockdown, and the three goriest Star Wars books outside of New Jedi Order. They may be more gruesome than New Jedi Order. They are. They're, they're over, at times over the top. I didn't think a netty, goring, gory tree alien bleeding sap would be disgusting, but Joel Schreiber really... That's like the one positive I can give about Red Harvest. They made a netty's turning to a zombie disgusting. 
Also, that's the one with zombie tauntauns, right? Um, Red Harvest. I, yeah. Were there zombie tauntauns? Yeah, yeah, I remember because they spit. Their spit also turns you into a zombie. There was zombie. There was a zombie weekway. Yeah, there was a zombie everything in Red Harvest. I pretty there were zombie tauntauns. Um. That book's terrible. Actually, I can't even say Red Harvest is terrible. I've read so many bad books in the re- the last year that had Star Wars in the title that I don't know. Maybe I'll like Red Harvest if I ever reread it. I know you don't mind it. Red Harvest? Yeah. Well, I think it could have been better. Uh, yeah, it could have. It's, ob- it's clearly... Like, they wanted a sequel to Death Troopers. And Jules Schreiber said, okay. And that was the... He couldn't really think of anything good, so he, but he tried anyway. And that's what he got, is Red Harvest. Wow, we've been going for two hours. Yeah, I know. This is what happens when we don't... We don't even really talk for three months. God, we'll have nothing to talk about because I wanted to do two episodes today. Um, I'm pretty much done with talking about books. Do we have any questions? I don't believe so. I don't know. I asked on my Instagram story for people to comment so we'd have something to talk about on the podcast. And I don't think anyone gave us questions. Yeah, and it... I, I highly doubt that any on the last episode, since they just went up yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, then, let's see. We're going to go take a look. Um, if not, I'll just edit this ending out. I'll edit anyway. Oh, God. We've read so much, both of us. I didn't even think I had read that much. Well, I haven't read that much. I only t- but like the thing is like we've read about things that like require like us to talk about a lot. Yeah, no, I have no comments on the last video. Um What about the previous one? Do we have any comments? Oh, we have two comments uh for Legends 26. I don't think we did questions on for Legends 26. Well, we can oh, go now. Oh, no, no, we didn't. No, this was just someone complimenting us on a good podcast. That's it. And then me responding with a thank you. Okay. So we have no questions. Well. Well, that was a great episode. Yeah. I guess we're recording. We're going to have nothing to talk about for the next one. <laughs> well, we that can we're... talk about... Join us next time as we talk about Phantom Menace retrospectives because it's been two decades since that came out. Oh, okay. Oh, I forgot to tell. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I forgot to tell you that's what I wanted to record next. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I uh, I actually found something that like that relates to Phantom Menace, so I guess I can talk about it. Okay, so we'll see you next time. <clears throat> All right. Let's end this fucking recording.